Welcome to the Cook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Bryce Love comes in, same defense. Throws, picked off, intercepted. Frankie Louvu playing in front of his parents for the first time. Intercepts it to ice the game. Michael Preston. Well, I want to I start out with what you heard in the intro. First, our thanks to Fox for the audio. Uh, but I, I wanted to start out there because, you know, we can go over the whole game and we're, and we're going to go over the whole game here before we chat with Lynn Worthy at the uh, Salt Lake Tribune about the Utah Utes uh, coming up. But that that specific moment, and Jeff talked about it on Monday, I talked about it on Saturday on Twitter. If you don't follow me on Twitter, at RM underscore Preston, you really should. There are great gems, mostly me complaining uh, about traffic. Um, that moment, you could not write. You could not write that moment. Frankie Louvu on his senior day, his family never watched him play football. His father had never left Samoa. He'd been to Fiji a couple times, but he'd never been to North America ever before. And they got to watch their son intercept a pass to ice away a game on his final collegiate game at Washington State. In Pullman, that is. How friggin' cool is that not only to ice that game away, but to seal up seven and zero at home for the first time in school history. That is really friggin' awesome, and I, you know, the trip was already worth it. I'm sure for them to be able to see their son play football for the first time. But man, if that didn't just make it all completely worthwhile, right there. So, congrats to Frankie, his family. I, the picture. If you watch the Pac-12 Network in sixty, that's it's a great. Thing they do, they shorten up every game to sixty minutes, and it's it's perfect if you just want to quickly get through rewatching a game like I usually do. I don't have the patience to fast forward through three and a half hours worth of a football broadcast. Uh, at the end of the game, they interviewed him, and the pictures he got with his family on the field after the game are just superb. They show that laid over him talking to the press afterwards, and it's just some of those pictures are just they're wonderful. So congrats to Frankie and his whole family, and congrats to a team that is seven and zero at home. And only two blemishes on the road this season, eight and two on the year. They've officially done better than my prediction of seven and five prior to the season, so uh, that is no longer a possibility. So congratulations to them on that. Not that you really need congratulating for passing up some stupid podcast hosts uh, preseason record prediction, but I, I think the score of that game uh, Saturday in Pullman was misleading. It was a little bit misleading. Uh, I don't think Stanford played 21 points of good football. WSU outgained them by 230 yards. I mean, it just it just a stupid yardage difference. And Stanford was still within three. That that just doesn't that doesn't happen. That doesn't really happen, or it shouldn't really happen. KJ Costello was 9 for 20 for 105 yards. Bryce Love was 16 for 69 for a touchdown. 52 of those 69 yards came on one carry. Jamal Morrow only had three fewer yards than Bryce Love. Only three. 
Three fewer yards than Bryce Love. That's, that's insanity. And I think you saw outside of some poor play early in the game and in the third quarter, especially that interception Luke Falk threw that got returned for a touchdown. You saw Luke Falk again. And it, it took again. It took him sitting on the bench for an entire game effectively against Arizona for him to learn the lesson. You saw it happen again after the Boise State game when he shredded Oregon State. And he didn't shred... Stanford, I, I wouldn't say he shredded them. 34 for 38 for 337 yards. That's just over seven yards in attempt. It's not a great number, but three touchdowns and that one really bad pick. But those two, those first two touchdown receptions were just gorgeous. And especially the one to Renard Bell, the second touchdown. That was a confident Luke Falk throw. That was a throw... You don't ordinarily or you haven't seen him make the last few games. Renard Bell was open, but I don't think that's a ball Luke Falk throws the last few games. And he did. You saw that again on Saturday against a pretty decent defense in Stanford. I think probably you you make the argument the best one they've faced so far this year, although USC is also a very good defense. You make the argument that Stanford's up there as the best defense they've faced all year. That was a complete game. The defense played absolutely lights out, only gave up 14 points against it. You know, they did what they needed to do against a pretty paltry and pretty one dimensional offense. They stopped Bryce Love. I said before the game, Bryce Love's going to get his one, he's going to rip off a big run. There's just, as soon as you accept that that's the case, then everything else is fine. And he did. He ripped off a 52-yard run, and then on the other 15 carries, he gained 17 yards. Like a yard a carry. A little over that. Whatever that is. That is absolutely, I, I mean, it's insane how good that is. Against a running back that... It, is in the Heisman Trophy conversation. He's in the Heisman Trophy conversation, at least a little bit still. Right? I mean, he's got to be. They did that to that guy. That is impressive. Again, two hundred over 200 more yards of offense in that game. And again, this score was way closer than it should have been. Way, 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 way closer than it should have been. Briefly, before we move on, I want to talk... Eric Powell. (laughs) What a ball game for Eric Powell. Made his 41-yard field goal. He's quietly having among the best years of any kicker uh, in college football, by the way. His only misses were, I think, one was blocked. And... He's missed another one from 50-plus. And I take it back. He did miss one against Cal, too. So he's 15 for 18. He's got three 50-plus yard field goals this year. Three. 52, 52, and 56 against Arizona. You remember last year? 
We started 0 for, what was that, 0 for 6, 0 for 7? Woo! I'll tell you what Eric Powell's doing this year. He's making himself some money. That's what he's doing. He's making himself a little cash money. Probably. I'm not really familiar with how kicker scouting works in the NFL. Um, <laughs> but what I, I'm an absolutely thrilling day. If you were lucky enough to be uh, at Martin Stadium as we were. Uh, snow. It, it, and how, how much infinitely better the snow was <laughs> than the rain and the wind uh, against Colorado two weeks ago. It's just something little easier to deal with about the snow than the rain. Um, but I, I want to get to one other point here and I, you know, I'm so hesitant. And so I, I always try to never be the guy who bitches and moans about officiating. I, I really don't. But how in the hell are you going to tell me that the ball KJ Costello threw that was an incomplete pass that bounced off the turf straight back up to him. How are you going to call that a fumble and a recovery and a run back? Literally a throwing motion caused him that ball to slip out of his hand. And I don't, I don't know what would have happened from then on out. I mean, you know, obviously we have no idea that Stanford could have scored on the next play, but at the very least that is not correct. And some of the spots of the ball all day were short a yard, long a yard. And I I understand to the letter of the rule that the ball is down when the quarterback begins his slide. It's a player safety issue. I get that because the quarterback's giving himself up. You don't want him to get blasted like Jim Moore would try to have one of his players do. But... The slide Luke Falk had on that final drive of the game where they were trying to ice the game away. You you must have taken it from the first frame in which he began his slide to determine where to spot that ball. Because I have never, ever once seen the ball placed as far back in a quarterback slide as I've seen in that game. Now, here's the funny thing about that. Hindsight being what it is, it actually worked out for them because they actually bled a little bit more time off the clock by picking up the first down on the next play than they would have if Luke Falk had picked it up on that play. So it actually, it actually worked out okay. But it, and again, I do not like doing this, but that officiating crew was getting it wrong all day. I appreciated that they let the players kind of, you know, play on this on uh, especially the receivers. They, I don't think they called one pass interference. They were pretty, you know, they they really did let them play. And I so from that standpoint, they stayed out of the way. But man, some of those calls were just so atrocious. They were just so atrociously bad. I right, I I've got that out of the way. I I want one last Parting piece here on Luke Falk. And it was, again, that we saw him confident to go downfield again. Long throw to Tavares Martin. And it was in the second quarter, I believe. Uh, downfield, about 40 yards. Long throws down the sideline again. Even on that last possession, he was happy to go downfield. I think that was to Martin again on the outside on that last possession. 
but he got that confidence back that you need to really effectively run this offense to stretch the field, to go downfield, to be willing to go and do that so the defense can't just cheat up. He was willing to open up the top of that defense again. He was willing to see when his outside receivers had single coverage to trust and to put that ball up there for them and trust them to go get it. It's what he had with Gabe Marks. It's what he had with River Craycraft. And, you know, yeah, okay, fine. He's doing it late in the year with just at minimum three games to go here. But he's doing it. And he's getting there again. And that's what you needed to see from your senior quarterback. That is what you needed to see from Luke Falk in now his three and a half years of being the Washington State starter. That's what you've wanted to see. And it's it, the, and the disappointing thing is it's been inconsistent. But in his final home game, you know, Frankie Louvu so deserved that interception that he got, and Luke Falk so deserved to have a very good performance in front of his home crowd after three and a half years of being the starting quarterback for Washington State. And he got that. And I think that was the most exciting thing. Because I, I don't want anybody to misinterpret anything. I don't think when we are talking about, you know, quarterback controversies and whether Tyler Holinsky, you know, should be the starter or what's wrong. I don't want it to be interpreted as hating on Luke Falk because I, I think it's so it's such an easy place to go to that. Oh, you're just being a hater. You're being a hater. You're hating on him. No, I'm not. I want Luke Falk to be successful more than anything because he deserves it. He deserves to have all the success in the world. Last week was a question of whether or not he was the guy who could lead this football team to, to a victory. And pretty clearly he showed yesterday that he can do it. Sometimes it just takes a little extra motivation from the head coach. That's what we're wondering. It's not hating on the kid. I, I don't, I, I hate, I distaste it so much when that's, it's interpreted. Oh, you're just hating on him. No. No, I'm not. I like Luke Falk. Been an excellent quarterback. Good kid by all accounts. I like him. It's not hater aid. I like him fine. Now let's see if he can go win. And it's supposed to be sunny this weekend in Utah. In November too. That's rare. See if he can go do it against the Utes. Speaking of the Utes, Lynn Worthy coming up next from the Salt Lake Tribune. Going to join us to talk about the Utah Utes here on the Coop Center. <laughs> Cook Center Hour podcast. We're now joined by an expert on the Utah Utes. We don't have a, lo- a lot of the fan base here, uh, the Wazoo fan base, doesn't know a ton about the Utah Utes. Still a relative newcomer to the Pac-12, but they've been in it for a while. James Worthy 
Worthy, excuse me, of the Salt Lake Tribune, uh, just like James Worthy uh, and Lynn Swan. That's how he tells people to say his name, and it's a really good way to do it, and even I managed to screw it up. Uh, Lynn, 5-4 and four so far this season for the Utes. Uh, broke a four-game losing streak last week when they kind of kicked the tar out of UCLA, as Jim Moore Jr. probably on his way out in Westwood. But how's the fan base feeling right now about 5-4 and four at this juncture in the 2017 season? Well, they're not thrilled about the five and four. I think people had some higher hopes coming into the season, but considering where they were, you know, a week ago or a little more than a week ago after the Oregon game, where mm-hmm. they just got uh, run over in terms of just letting—I mean, literally just letting Oregon run up and down the field for close to 350 yards rushing, um, having lost their fourth straight and looking sort of lost offensively—I think they're. Uh, there's a little bit more optimism that they'll at least be able to try and get one of these last three games and become bowl eligible, mm-hmm. um, which is you know sort of a um, uh, not like I say not what they were really hoping for, but the some little bit of solace or mm-hmm. uh, silver lining and uh, where they uh, you know in this season where they thought they had something going and then oh, it took an abrupt turn. Yeah, because the history of the Utah program is kind of, you know, obviously, you know, we're talking, you know, they've had history, they've beaten Alabama in a bowl game, and they've had a lot of success. So I don't, you know, five and four with maybe a bare minimum six and six and six probably to end the season and, you know, probably having to hope for an at-large bowl bid is probably not the most ideal thing for most Ute fans. No, but at the same time, I mean, like I said, there was optimism, but you, you also have to take into consideration a lot of the changes they came into the season with in terms of um, they lost 16 guys who were in NFL camps, some of which, not all of them st- uh, stuck around, but, you know, 16 guys you sent off of your roster from last season to the NFL, including, mm-hmm. you know, um, guys drafting the first couple of rounds. You got a, a starting left tackle in the NFL for the Broncos, who was a first round pick, and Garrett Bowles. Um, you lost four guys off of that offensive line. You lost four guys out of the secondary, two key areas. So you had to replace those guys. You had a new offensive coordinator coming in, and Troy Taylor, who's been more of a uh, pass guy as opposed to their long tradition of being just a pound, physical, run the ball type of a team. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of transition going on. Um, so, I mean, I guess. You know, there's people probably looking for bigger things, but at the same time, realistically, you know, if they still pull out six wins, I mean, um, you know, you probably, in some ways, you could say maybe they get to seven. Um, you know, if you get to six or seven wins, it's probably, you know, uh, not what you had hoped for, but I don't know if you say that's just a, mm-hmm. a bad season. Uh, you mentioned the change in offensive coordinator and obviously change of quarterback this year, too, because Troy Williams still on the team. Excuse me, and that's who... Uh, WC fans were at least familiar with a little bit from his time at UW, but he was uh, the quarterback for Utah. Now Tyler Huntley uh, under center for the Utes. What does he bring to this offense that Troy Williams doesn't? Because he did have his best game since he returned from injury uh, last week against UCLA. But then again, I think the whole team had a really good week against UCLA last week. But what does he bring to this offense that uh, Troy Williams doesn't? Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, Troy Williams is a dual threat guy, but Tyler seems to be just a little bit better probably in both aspects of being a dual threat. I mean, he's more of a uh, explosive guy when it comes to getting out and running. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can create some more big plays, can make plays uh, th- throwing while on the run. And then also, uh, I think just, and we saw the difference because when he was injured, you know, you put uh, Troy Williams in there and inserted him into the lineup. You could see sort of the difference in terms of the big plays he can make running, but also if it seemed like it really became clear then that Tyler made 
quicker decisions um, in the passing game as well, especially in this uh, this new offense. Um, and, you know, he had uh, in the non-conference, which their non-conference slate was not the toughest, um, mm-hmm. he had back-to-back 300-yard passing games, which is something in Utah offense they hadn't had in several years. I want to say it goes back to uh, – Shoot, I want to say it goes back to like 08 or something like that, but I could be wrong. It's, it's been it's been a little while since it happened, at the very least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's also been the team's second leading rusher. Um, so I mean, I think just in both, like I say, as a runner, as a guy who can make plays on the run, and as a thrower, he just seemed to have an edge in sort of all three categories. And uh, they felt like he had, you know, being a guy who hadn't started before the season, he had more room to grow as well. Mm-hmm. So they felt like just the the upside in terms of athleticism and just what he could develop into was higher than what you got with uh with troy and they felt like you know having troy back there as your number two gave you you know some stability and the guy that you could go to and everybody would still have confidence in Mm -hmm. zach moss uh continues a really good recent streak at utah of uh pretty good running backs he's leading the team in rushing averaging over five yards every time he touches the football what makes him so special i mean you know you're not talking about him living up to deontay cooper uh type uh, levels here but what makes him so special uh for the utah utes this year well, the main thing is just how hard he runs. Like he's a he's he's not a, a huge guy. I think he's a, they listed him at like around 210 pounds, but he's a physical physical runner. Um, he's not necessarily a home run threat where you know you get into the open field and he's just going to take off on you. But he's you know he's a guy that they really need to feed the ball to more. Um, I mean he's you know like you said he's over five yards carry, but he hasn't had that many games where they've just given him 20 carries. Like last week he got 23 carries, mm-hmm. and so you know he he sort of leads that offense and he sort of. Sets that's a tone for them, um, something that, again, as they're trying to find their way in this new you know, this new offensive system, they really need, and they've sort of gotten away from it, um, mm-hmm. especially in that identity. I mean, you look at, he had 23 la- carries last week. The two weeks before that combined, he had a total of 22. Now, part of that is them com- trying to play from behind, but also part of that is just not you know, setting the tone that they're used to having set around here with that Utah offense. Mm-hmm. But um, but he's a guy, you know, I mean, he, as I say, he's not necessarily a home run threat, but he's not a guy who only runs between the tackles. I mean, I think he sort of um, excels at that, but he'll he'll bounce stuff outside and um, mm-hmm. make plays like that. He's He's been a weapon in the passing game as well. I mean, not necessarily, you know, um, a, a big play threat, but he's been one of their leading uh, well, not leading, but among their top receivers in terms of just receptions. So uh, he's a, a you know a versatile guy, and um, you know just a, a real physical, hard-nosed runner who you know he seems like he uh, he embraces contact and gets a little bit stronger as the game goes along if they keep feeding him. Yeah, Devonte Booker. I, I'm not I'm not that big of an idiot. I did forget his name for some reason. The very good Utah running back Devonte Booker. But speaking actually of the receivers, Lynn, I want to get to. Uh, Darren Carrington, leading receiver for the Utes uh, by quite a margin this year, uh, over 800 yards of receiving, or almost, um, uh, no, it is over 800 yards of receiving. That's more, that's about 500 more than anybody on the team. Uh, seemed like Kyle Whittingham was talking about his status for this week. He may, may not play. They aren't sure yet. Uh, he was hoping that he was going to. What happens if he can't go uh, against Washington State? Because uh, he seems to be the go-to guy uh, for Tyler Huntley. Yeah, I mean, and the Utes are usually are notoriously tight-lipped about, um, you know, available uh, injuries and who's available and who's not. And um, I mean, based off of what we, you know, just looking at 
the last weekend. I mean, it didn't seem like it was one of those sorts of things where he was helped off or, you know, had to be in the boot or like you didn't see any of that sort of thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if he is available this weekend, uh-huh. if he's playing this weekend. Um, that being said, if he's not, then it's going to be, you know, sort of a more by committee because he's been far and away their, their go-to guy. Um, they've had other guys who, you know, have had games or have had, you know, just stretches in the game where they come up with big plays and that sort of stuff. But he's been the guy. I mean, he's, um, you know, and he's had a career year as well. He's he can't his uh, transferring here was also, you know, a big part of this new offense is going to come in. Now you mm-hmm. had your go-to guy, the guy who sort of set the table for everybody else, the guy who they move around to try and get the ball to. Um, so with him out, you, you lose that, but you still, I mean, they have a, you know, a, a depth of receivers. It's just not really somebody who's on that level or who has set themselves as apart as the number two, at least to this point. Uh, Raylon Singleton's probably the, the next guy in terms of both experience and sort of, um, dependability but he's also um in recent weeks has been dealing with some injury issues as well so he's been in and out a little bit i want to move over to the other side of the football now the utah defense i think always always known for being pretty good uh in terms of when washington state faces them it's always certainly the unit i think uh, wsu fans are more worried about and when you look up and down just you know the counting stats on uh, the pack in in terms of where they land in the pack 12 wsu and utah's defense are very very similar uh, pretty much everywhere, pass rush uh, or uh, rushing defense, passing defense, their ability to get to the quarterback, pretty much everything, they're very similar. What makes Utah's defense so effective? Because, you know, I, I think it, it seems like they're kind of like WSU in the respect that their defense has won them an awful lot of football games this year. Yeah, well, they're, the, the thing that probably the biggest difference is probably, I think, um, you know, Wazoo's got probably more of a, a faster, um, you know, more based on speed and mm-hmm. movement um, in terms of what they do with their defensive scheme. Uh, Utah is one of the more stout defensive fronts. Um, even when they, they've had some injuries with the two defensive ends, Kylie Fitz and Bradley and I, and when they – spent some time on the sidelines they actually got a little bit bigger because they had some guys who sort of play both tackle and end that um, they would put in there so you had you know uh, i think there was one game where you had like almost 300 across the across the board on some of those defensive line spots but um so they, they're a stout group um you got some uh they'll uh, probably won't see much of it this week because they usually they're usually a nickel uh starting lineup and then you'll have one of their strong safety um Chase Hansen usually because Marquise Blair is now uh, done for the season, but mm-hmm. um, Hansen has been in the box a lot against running teams. I'm not sure how much you'll see that with Wazoo throwing it around, but um, their their main thing has always been a team that traditionally stopped the run, which is why some of the games against Arizona State and Oregon were alarming to a lot of people because they got run on um, pretty consistently, mm-hmm. and with Oregon they were just ripping runs left and right against them. Um, the concerns, you know, uh, like I said, traditionally they've been a team that was hard to run on and they created a lot of pressure on the quarterback and turnovers. Uh, as of late, as we got the seasons got along, they've seemed to struggle creating um, as many turnovers and um, creating a much, as much pressure on the quarterback as mm-hmm. they have in the past. So that's one of the things that people have sort of been had an eye on recently. Um, Part of that, you figure, has got to be the lack of pressure because um, they're not really calling defenses much uh, differently. Kyle Whittingham talked about them bringing the same percentage of pressure that they've brought in the past, just not mm-hmm. getting to the quarterback as much. Um, 
you figure some of that's got to be with some of those injuries they had on their rushers on the defensive end. Some of that's teams that are scheming to sort of slow that down because they know that's what Utah has done in the past. And some of that's just not having, you know, a guy like Hunter Dimmick, who was, you know, one of the most fierce pass rushers probably in the Pac-12 last year is not there anymore. So that combination has sort of made the pass rush not quite what it has been in recent years, but they're definitely one of the more stout defensive fronts that, um, I would guess that Wazoo's going to see. Yeah. You mentioned him a little bit in there. No Marquise Blair for the rest of the season. Uh, Kyle Whittingham said that this week. He's done uh, for the year, unfortunately, for the Utes and for him, for that matter. Uh, what does that change for the Utah second? You mentioned it a little bit, but if you could go a little more in-depth, what does it change for uh, the Utah secondary uh, in this game? Well, the the first thing that changes is Corian Ballard, who came into the season as uh, one of the starting free safety. He'll slide back in. Um, I think... And in a sort of bigger picture thing, it probably changes some of the flexibility that they had mm-hmm. because Blair, um, a guy who was a junior college transfer, who was an All-American linebacker in junior college, had played uh, the strong safety spot initially here with Utah. Um, and then with Chase Hansen, had some injuries where Blair was playing instead of Chase Hansen, and he was playing and sort of along with Chase and switching some things up. And when they played at Arizona, um, they had both of them on the field, and Blair actually started at uh, technically an outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they moved him to free safety. So between him and Chase Hansen, guys who basically could play somewhat uh, linebacker slash safety, and then Blair being able to play free safety as well, you had a lot of options on where you want to move guys around mm-hmm. and then with Ballard as, a, as the third guy you could also you know add him in there and, uh, and give you more freedom to move Blair or Hanson to a different spot um, so you lose a little bit of that but Ballard is also a guy who you know could play uh, free safety or strong safety mm-hmm. um, who can move around a little bit so you'll you'll lose and then you also just lose the the defensive presence I mean he was one of the arguably the hardest hitting guy they have in that defense a guy who just flew around and you know if you're uh if you were running back he'd come up you know and run to support and <laughs> just be taking guys out yeah. i mean one of the, the first the opening game of the season um there was uh it was north dakota but one of their offensive linemen who you know is three upwards 300 pounds um was pulling on a play and you just saw him go flying and you didn't know who it was that hit him. And then you looked up and it was number 13, Marquise Blair, who's, you know, all of six, two and a buck 90. He yeah. just came flying up and sent him <laughs> flying. So, um, and he's been doing that all season, even the play where he got hurt, there was no contact on the play. But mm-hmm. when you look back at it, he was probably like 15 to 20 yards downfield and came flying up on support on a, um, uh, it was like a throwback pass, so he yeah. comes flying up on the play, and he was, you know, if he if his knee didn't just give out underneath him, it looked like his knee gave out underneath him, he would have been right there to make the tackle, so he's just that presence, that flying around, that hard hitting, um, where guys probably catching balls over the middle have to be either aware of him, or they will mm-hmm. learn to be aware of him, so you lose a little bit of that. I want to get to a guy who looks to be kind of the most disruptive in the backfield, and uh, Utah has all the Samoan names, they have the Pacific Islander names, so I'm going to I'm gonna effort to get this right, Sunia Tautioli. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Woo. All right, interview's over. No, I uh, <laughs> got that right. There, we're done. Um, he's very disruptive in the backfield. Has a lot of tackles for a loss uh, this season and uh, three double or double-digit tackle games uh, as well. Who else does WSU need to look out for when it comes to getting into the backfield? Because it has been a problem. Uh, for the WSU offensive line, protecting Luke Falk. And, you know, Luke Falk has had um, some issues holding on to the ball for a little while this season. 
Yeah, well, in terms of uh, whether it's blitzing, is particularly in the pass rush, like Chase Hansen from that strong safety spot. Again, I'm not sure how much he'll be up along or around the line of scrimmage right. this week with Wazoo's, uh, you know, um, air raid. But he's been a guy who definitely has um, been an impact guy coming on the blitz from that strong safety spot and coming and moving in different places. Uh, Cody Barton, who's uh, one of their on their two deep rosters, uh, two deep charted uh, at the linebacker spot, has been a guy who's uh, sort of excelled at. Um, coming on the blitz and creating pressure in the backfield for uh, on a quarterback. Um, Kavika Fatasanga is the other leading tackler, along with uh, uh, Tautioli. Um, he's he hasn't really been as big a sack guy, um, but he's definitely going to be one of those guys who's going to be around the ball just mm-hmm. about the entire game. Um, but in terms of those blitzers and those guys getting into the backfield, I'd say probably, like I say, Hanson's been a big guy for that. Um, Tautioli, I'm not even like sack wise, I think he really only has one this season, but he's the guy who's in the backfield all the time, just in terms of he's one of those, he diagnoses the play and then just is off to the races to get to the mm-hmm. ball. Um, those are some of the guys who you figure will probably be making plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. It's been a hot minute since Washington State played uh, Utah. We were on the skip part of the Pac-12 South uh, with them for the previous two seasons. So plenty of things have changed for both teams. But uh, if you had to make a guess, uh, right now, WSU's won the last two games uh, involving Utah. But like we said, plenty of stuff changed for both teams. If you had to make a prediction early in the week, but uh, what do you think the final score will be on Saturday? scores i'm i'm bad oh, at predictions you, I don't, I don't you can know. uh you can uh the the line is minus one to wazoo i saw uh we could just uh maybe give me a who covers uh well i guess that would be kind of who wins as well now wouldn't it so just maybe a maybe a winner and uh reason why um well it's probably gonna have to be a uh a, a um contingency thing here i would say yeah. if um i'm all about hedging bets i'm all about that all about it yeah if uh, if the Utes are able to um, to run the ball and create turnovers, I think that they give them a chance of pulling this one off at home, mm-hmm. especially with Washington um, having some struggles on the road. I mean, seven home wins at home, and um, you know, so they're winning two, I think, on the road. So um, coming into Rice Echoes, which can be one of the harder places to play, I think you know, assuming Utah is able to hold its own on the line of scrimmage, and then if they're able to create turnovers, because obviously in the losses that uh, Wazoo has had, they've you know I think four or five interceptions apiece, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe a couple, of, uh, I think a fumble in one of them. But um, that I think is going to be the key is uh, creating those turnovers and being able to at least control the line of scrimmage offensively for um, Utah. I think if they do that, they got a chance to win at home. Lakers and Trojans and Pittsburgh Steelers legend Lynn Worthy joins us on the Cook Center <laughs> podcast. You can check out his coverage of Utah at the Salt Lake Tribune's website, sltrib.com. Thank you, sir, so much for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me.
Back here now on the Coog Center Hour, we're joined uh, by a very special guest, and this is uh, this is not like my journalism digging around. I heard this guy's uh, family friends, maybe his uncle, talking at halftime when I was waiting for a hot dog. This man's name is Elliot Armitage, but you know him better as the guy who pulled his pants down after Renard Bell's touchdown uh, behind the West End Zone at Martin Stadium. Uh, Elliot, I have my. I guess my first question would be. How cold were you when you took your pants off? You know what? That is a perfect question. And I got to tell you, just before I got to the game, I had a, I had a bet with a couple of fathers um, on, the, uh, on the sidelines. And it was the, the bet was that I would not go all four quarters of the Wazoo football game pantsless and shirtless. So before I even hopped onto the field, I was in my underwear. In the, uh, in the stands, doing the bet, and jumping was, uh, I guess you could say, a way of getting out of going all four quarters naked. So, yeah, well, yeah, but, okay, so you, so you, did you pick out, like, your underwear color that day? Was it, like, special consideration going through your, your, del- your, your unmentionables, looking for a good color that day, knowing you were going to be in your skivvies in the, in the stands? No, I had no. It was just a, it was just a random pair of Calvin Klein underwear. Okay. Oh, oh so no thought, no thought. Just whatever I could find, I threw on there. Okay. So I, I get, another question would be: Are you a current student? Did you graduate? What's what's your situation right now at WSU? Yeah, I am a current student. Okay. Um, I'm a sophomore here at Wazoo, and uh, I'm in Theta Chi okay. fraternity. You know, Alpha, Alpha Omicron. I, I was talking to a couple of my buddies. They said it would have been a great idea if I wore a flag. Just to, uh, to, you know, show off the colors, but that didn't, uh, it didn't, it didn't happen. I I don't um, don't think you put too terribly much thought into this anyway, did you? No, no, not at any moment. No, I was not thinking fully. Okay. So, so I want, I, I kind of want to begin in one place because in this place, because, you know, I, I did some stupid stuff during my college and my post-college years, if I must admit, um, what led to the decision that jumping down on the field was a good idea was it that you didn't want to spend four quarters in your underwear at the game or was it what led up to that so when i was standing on the sidelines basically (laughs) basically i um i it it was a good game and i was watching the game as much as i could Uh, you know if it wasn't for um you know parents telling me what are you doing in your underwear or something like that you know uh, and so I, I was talking to a few of my friends and a few of the parents around me, and I said, and I was, you know, I was not thinking, you know, right? I said, if Luke Falk throws a touchdown pass on this next play, I will jump this field and get in the end zone and and pants myself. And in literally five five seconds, he threw a TD pass. Mm-hmm. Right in front of me, and I could not go back on my word, so I immediately hopped it. So, so yeah, I was about to say because it was really fast. You must you must have been down in that first row or two of the crimson there because oh, yeah. it was it oh, was yeah. that was I mean you were lightning quick onto the field the minute Renard Bell came down with that ball. You didn't even wait for the referee to signal that it was a touchdown <laughs> to make sure that it was a touchdown. You weren't just jumping down for an incomplete pass. No, I uh, I watched catch it and it was such an and it was such a glorious moment to be honest like that catch mm-hmm. was an amazing catch amazing pass it was beautiful and i had not known 
at that time that that was probably the perfect time to jump and get onto the field because not only have I was I on Saturday night, I, not on Saturday Night Live, not only was I on Monday Night Football, yep. I was on Come On Man. I yep. had Randy Moss talking about me, and I was just thinking to myself because it was an amazing play, and that play was going to be broadcasted on m- numerous networks. And so what I didn't think about at that moment was that they were going to get me in the shot because I was right there. I was right immediately after yeah. he made that catch. I was in the field. I was in the end zone. So <laughs> it ended up me being broadcasted on numerous net live networks. And I, uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was, it was a funny, funny moment. Fox did cut away pretty quick. Cause I think what they were worried about was that you were going to, you, you did, you took your pants off real quick. And I think what they were oh, yeah. worried about was you were going to go underwear too. There was no inclination on your part to take the underwear off at any point. Was there? Oh no! Hell no! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> too cold for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little too cold. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to. The other thing I want to get into is your form off the rail down onto the field, because uh, that's a pretty sizable drop. And you, literally, when you landed, you were ready to just depanch yourself. Again, <laughs> since it was so quick, was there no thought into that, or did you have like a particular like a plie in mind off the rail, or what? What was the deal there? No, that was, it was, it was so spontaneous. I got to be honest. It was, Mm -hmm. it was something that was, it wasn't very thought through. And, you know, I play sports all my life and so I'm okay. I'm pretty, you know, athletically inclined. So I had made I had made that jump and it was a sizable jump. I landed on the field and right then and there, I was thinking to myself, it's go time. It is go time. (laughs) And so I, uh, I honestly, I wasn't planning on dropping my pants, but it felt like the moment. It felt like the move Mm -hmm. and I just felt like I needed to do it. So I, I, I went ahead and did it. Yep. Okay, so security got on you pretty quick after that because oh, yeah. uh, there's not you know there's not a thousand people rushing to feel like at the USC game. It's just Elliot Armitage uh, right. on the field. <laughs> uh, so where what happened from there? Where did you go and how long did you spend in the, in the uh, stadium pokey? You'll get a kick out of this one. So basically, when I had jumped, it was the plan to jump back into the stadium. You know, you know, it wasn't the plan to jump back into the stands. I wasn't planning on getting caught. You know, that wasn't like okay, yeah. I'm going to jump and get caught, and I'll see you guys later. It was the plan to run back into the stands. So after I had um, jumped, I was not thinking that the PAT net was going to come up. (laughs) So I'm jumping. I pants myself. I got two good jumps in right before I realized that my entrance back into the stands is blocked. And so I start to I start to head for the end or head back to the rails, trying to jump in the clearest or the, the the the. safest place i saw to jump back in and they were already grabbing me and yeah and trying to you know put me put me in cuffs and stuff so after i had that after that happened they pretty much walked me off the court and i got a bunch of guys manhandling me and stuff and basically they said that i was being arrested for criminal trespassing uh-huh. and i was like geez louise like oh my i was talking to the cops i was like are you serious you gotta be kidding me i was like oh my god it's really this bad of an offense god mm-hmm. that was gonna be a slap on the wrist and uh, no, they uh, they took me back and basically walked me into this back room, you know, through all the and they they were walking me through uh, through some of the stands mm-hmm. or uh, you know through some you know where the concessions are. Yeah. And I had all these Coug fans. Yeah, let's go, baby. <laughs> and they were just high fiving me and trying to like root me on. They're like, don't let them take you. And I was uh, it was a fun time. You know, I yeah. cut off some paperwork in the back and they let me on my way. Okay, so but I had to think about it. You know, everything that went through it, including that. You know. Obviously, a more serious charge than you thought was going to happen. Would you do it all again? I would. I would. I would. Honestly, it was. It was so. It was iconic. And you know what? I. I never thought that just because I jumped a fence and pants myself, mm-hmm. I would have 
as many people as I've had contact me and just tell me like you are a legend bro mm-hmm. you are awesome you are iconic everyone knows you and it is awesome and so i got a little bit of 15 minutes of fame off that so i thought it was i thought it was hilarious fireball guy mullet man the big guy oh, at utep yeah. elliot armitage the man in the oh, blue yeah. underwear elliot thank you so much pal i really appreciate it of course of course it was my pleasure <laughs> Thunderhead of the week time. Uh, I think I, I do this about once a year. Probably once a year when we do the podcast through the fall. Uh, I make myself the Dunderhead of the week. I, I pride myself on planning decently well for the weather. Um, in Pullman, I wore a rain jacket. The game against Colorado still got a little wet. I think everybody got a little wet in that game. Uh, you know, we brought a waterproof blanket for it. Did all kinds of stuff to try to take care of ourselves. Uh, this game last weekend against Colorado, or against Stanford, knew it was going to be cold. So packed warm, packed uh, Under Armour, packed heavy sweater, uh, and packed the same raincoat again, and packed my jeans, and a wool hat, or not a wool hat, but just like a knit, you know, WSU hat. Ended up just wanting my hat. The one thing I forgot. My boots. Like, you know, really good snow Columbia boots that I have. They're good for snow or for this. Totally forgot them. And boy, did I ever discover the tennis shoes I have. You know, tennis shoes, sneakers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, there are some leaks around the uh, seam uh, from the, the uh, you know, the inside of the shoe there to the, uh, to the heel. Because my feet were soaking wet absolutely soaking wet at the end of the day when I got home we got back to our friend's place in Pasco took off my shoes and those socks were you could wring them out of water so me I'm the idiot this week I didn't bring the boots like I should have done because I wanted to just bring my backpack then I could stuff full of clothes it was just big enough to fit all the clothes I wanted to fit in there so I figured out I just want to bring my backpack I don't even want to hassle with it even though I'm not flying on a plane anywhere just throwing it in the back of a car our back our huge SUV and driving it over the pass, so space isn't an issue. And I thought, no, oh, no, 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 just take the backpack, you'll be fine. Hand against the hand, punishment. Me, I'm the dunderhead of the week. I'm a friggin' idiot. Ask Michael anything time. Ask Michael. Anything. Ask Michael anything time. At D. Lawrenson. Doug Lawrenson is a ute the same as those two utes from My Cousin Vinny. 
Did you see those two youths? Youths. It's not the same thing, which I really, it's kind of funny because the youths shares it so closely with Joe Pesci, Pesci saying youths, youths. Uh, Utah would be like one of the least young teams in the country. I think that's kind of the funny thing that, you know, a lot of these guys, they serve missions in the LDS church before they go to Utah. So you get a lot of guys who are in their, what I would term their mid-20s. Uh, by the time they are seniors at Utah's, they're 24, 25 years old. So it, they're actually one of the older teams. Funny. At V Whitney 50, Victor Whitney ranked them popcorn guy, whatever girl, fireball guy, or the blue moon guy. I assume we're talking about the guy who mooned the camera against Stanford. I want to add in uh, the shirtless guy at the Sun Bowl uh, and Mullet Man from this year. So I'll go whatever girl number six. That's just kind of, you know, whatever. Uh, shirtless guy at the Sun Bowl number five. Mullet Man number four. Man, oh God, this top three is harder than I thought. Blue Moon guy number three. Fireball guy number two. Popcorn guy number one. Popcorn guy and fireball guy have had like lasting... The, the the fame of that has been lasting. I think Blue Moon Guy was very fun uh, in the weekend, and what we saw, uh, I saw a lot of it, you know, watching uh, sports talk the next day, every, or on Monday, everybody was talking about it. Um, they just don't have the lasting, you know, not, don't have the staying power, so to speak. At I am Eric Russell. Eric, what percentage do you apply to each QB on the roster next year to start week one? Tyler Holinsky, 100%. Everybody else, zero. I just, it's him. It's him until it's not him next year. That's just how it's going to be. At WC Brady 27 Brady H. Leach recently told the story of Pitt State Gorillas and how the fans all threw bananas at the opposing team. Well, that's, ooh, okay. Whole country included, what is your favorite fan tradition? What is one you would like to see? I think what I'd like to participate in is uh, jump around at Wisconsin in between the third and fourth quarters. That would be, uh, I think, the funnest one to do. Uh, I'd love to see Enter Sandman at Virginia Tech. That'd be a ton of fun, I think. And then I think what I'd like to participate in is um, is I'd like to do be in the wave at Iowa. They just started a tradition this year at Iowa, if you don't know about it. Uh, they just built a children's hospital right next to the stadium, and the, there's a room on top of the hospital that you can see into the stadium. Now everybody turns and waves at the kids after the first quarter. That's really cool, and it's really sweet. And uh, There's a great video about it. I think um, Bleacher Report did a really great article about it uh, as well, if I'm remembering correctly. So if you get a chance, go and look that up. I really encourage you, because it's a really cool, very sweet, and wonderful tradition. So I would go look that up. That is it for this week's show. Again, we are taking a bye week next week because the team is too, and there's not much to talk about when your team's not playing on Saturday. We'll see if we change our mind, though. It depends on how big a blowout win against Utah. They can move into the top 15 of the CFP, too. But as of right now, plan for no show next week. We like to take the week off, too, when the team does. So in the meantime, enjoy this weekend's game. Not just WSU versus Utah. A whole slate of really great games this weekend. Uh, you're set up well. Uh, to have your, to, you're gonna, your remote's going to get a good workout this weekend. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks in the Food Center app.